Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. Yes, there was an episode on Sunday called The Insight. If you haven't listened to that, go and listen to that first and come back to this or listen to that right after this. Uh, we're going to be talking about everything that's happened this weekend, along with a few other little niche topics that we always like to pick up on. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the No Ratings Podcast, then there's an upload every Tuesday, also at the moment every Sunday with bonus episodes in between. Now that that's out of the way, let me introduce my two guests. James, you're back again. How are you, bro? I'm very well, thank you. I'm happy, happy to be back as always. I've I've had my weekly rinsing at the moment. Everyone's everyone's giving their fifty pence on me at the moment. Ev- everyone's getting a microphone. You can't give a podcast microphone to everyone out on the internet. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say say how I feel about football. I'm I'm not pretending to be some analyst. I'm not. I give, I bring the vibes. I bring the vibes. Hopefully. Um, so no the pressure Caucasian today. Vibes. The Caucasian, <laughs> the Caucasian <laughs> persuasion. That's my new nickname on the podcast. Oh, no, oh, no. Uh, people, so many people just switch the podcast off. Going, I can't listen to this anymore. Stick around. There are, there are, there are other vibes available on the podcast. My days, um, my days on this podcast are numbered anyway. After saying yeah. that, um, and then we have a debut as well. You may know him on the internet as at ball talk on uh, twitter um but this is the first time you're doing something like this i'm not wrong right yeah yeah it is so this is sort of my official reveal i guess my name's uh chuck tage aka ball talk yeah do you, you know when you uh go for a job interview you go what's your name i'm like chuck tage aka ball talk <laughs> you see me on twitter i just start labeling myself as ball talk <laughs> Yes, we're, we're like a name badge or something. Yeah. Uh, well, lovely to have you on, bro. Um, thank you for hopping in. We had chaos before the episode of trying to get people on board. We, I actually tweeted, can we get a Liverpool fan 10 minutes before we started recording? Um, that is the chaos of the No Ratings pod, and that is why you are here. Um, so if, you, if you're new, make sure you follow the pod, follow the guys. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about the refereeing decisions that happen in the Liverpool game. But not, at, not We kind of spoke about this off-air just now. We don't want to sit here and just go, referees are bad. Like I think the general consensus is after the Liverpool game, the refereeing was quite bad. Mm. So it, it makes no sense for you to come here and listen to us say that, like Gary Neville has and everyone else. Uh, we're also going to talk about this uh, Haaland issue. Uh, a tweet went viral. Uh, I did a TikTok on it. It seemed to have a lot of people talking about it. So I thought, let's talk about that. Uh, and if anything else pops up, then we'll go into that. But the reason James is on this episode, not only is he a handsome fella, Good looking guy, and we need to keep the uh, ethnicity balance on point every time. Um, you are also a referee. Yeah, I do. I do little little bits and bobs. It does. It does make me laugh though, because people hear I'm a referee, and some people have this like idea that I'm some level. Le- there's le- levels to referee, but like I'm some level four referee who does crazy adult games in the Northern Premier League. I just uh, I referee mostly kids private schools and like corporate events at St. George's Park. So, so basically what I'll say is I'm a luxury referee. So <laughs> if you need a referee, he's going to, he's going to look the part, he's got the kit, he's going to be respectful to the parents. He's going <laughs> to keep good relations with the, with the coaches and managers. I'm your guy. So yeah, St. George's Park, I know the coordinator and he, he often says, Oh, need a ref. Are you willing to do it? And it, it's not far for me to get to. So yeah, I'm happy to do those events, but I'm not getting my shoes dirty every Saturday morning down at down at Hackney Marshes or whatever. That's not me. I'm I'm a luxury ref, we'll call it. I don't think you could hack Hackney Marshes. I don't think honest. I could either. <laughs> Those are the ends, brother. Yeah. Um 
jumped to Javier any experienced referee? Oh no. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to handle it either. I'll just I'll just sit on my sofa and criticize the people doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't I mean I'm like the referee's nightmare, I'll be real. Like when I used to play at goals more more recently, as I've got older, I've become a bit more of a rat to referees. Um, but the moment a, re- a refereeing decision goes against me, I'll be honest, and it's a bad habit. I'm throwing myself in the referee's face. So guys like James, bro, you're lucky you're the in worst, private. The worst thing is, so am I. That's exactly me as a player. <laughs> but then as a referee, if anyone starts doing that to me, I would, yeah, I know what to expect. But I have a little bit of sympathy because that's me as a player too. So I say, hey, look, player, I understand your pain. <laughs> is that your opening line? I understand your pain. It's a red card, no, though. <laughs> tell him to shut up. I tell him to go away. It's not honestly. personal. Let's talk about this Liverpool game. Um, I think we can all agree that the offside was a joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone's nodding. Um, I think we'll have split opinions on the Curtis Jones, Curtis mm-hmm. Jones red card. Mm. Okay. I don't know what your opinion is, so this is interesting. Considering you're both Liverpool fans, right? No, I'm a Chelsea fan. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Go on, I'll allow you two to speak first, and then I'll come from my ivory tower as the expert in the room. Right, so I think it was a red card, purely based on... So I know he went ball first, but the fact that he rolled over it and hit that part of his sort of shin, it was pretty dangerous, even though he didn't intend it to be it ended up being dangerous. So I think it was a red card, even though it wasn't, you know, supposed to be like that. New bait? Ah, he's waffling. He's waffling. Um, well, you're a Liverpool fan. Just... <laughs> no, no, but everyone knows, if you listen to the pod, I'm not one of these fans that thinks there's corruption against Liverpool. I think this is hilarious, by the way, that's happening on social media now. People think there's corruption against Liverpool. I don't think there is at all. But I don't think it's a red card purely for the fact that in in slow motion, it looks like a red card. And their last action looks like a red card because he goes into his shin. However, I think uh, if you compare Casemiro's red last season against... Can't remember, he, he had a similar situation. He like His foot rolled over the ball and his, he went studs into whoever the player was. You'll be able to find it. Um, but he's sliding into the tackle and there's intention to be aggressive. Curtis Jones goes to... Um, you know when you put your foot over the ball to protect the ball and Basuma's quick and his leg gets in the way and then he also slips on the ball. There's actually like nowhere else for his leg to be. So I don't think, I think if you start giving those as red cards, like I've seen that tackle every other week. And so you're going, I get it, I get it. The, con- the contact is high on Basuma, but I also don't think, it's also like not avoidable. Like if Jones can't... But he went over the, like the angle that he went in for the tackle, he was always going to, he was going like midway to the top of the ball and there was always the risk that he could go over it. Do you know what I mean? If he planted his foot lower, it wouldn't have been so dangerous. I hear you, but then I think like, because the ball's between the two of them, he tries to roll across the ball. So he's like, he's not putting his foot over the ball to win a challenge. I think he's actually trying Mm -hmm. to protect the ball using like that part of his body. Um, James, what what do you think? I'm, I'm allowing Nubade to explain himself. Um, I actually agree with Nubade. Um, no, nah, I'm absolutely joking. Absolutely not. I don't agree with you. Idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a red card. Yeah. I understand the frustration because it's a complete accident, but it's a red card. Mm. Um, the point of contact on his leg, whether accidental or not, is extremely dangerous. And in if there was a little bit more power behind it, he could have broken his leg. Mm. I understand the frustration and I know that does happen quite often. But 
to me, it wasn't even a case of, if you remember that Van Dyke one where Van Dyke, it was against Napoli, went through the yeah. ball and his leg was quite a long way after he got the ball, he caught someone, he caught Mertens, I think it was, whose leg was raised. This one, it's in the same motion. He goes over the ball, so his leg was already starting quite high. And then, albeit it was going to go down on his foot, because it landed on the ball, it ends up going down on his shin. It's it's a dangerous challenge. You can't let things like that slide in the game. Yeah. Um, and it was a it was a correct red card for me. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're getting biased in your old age. I agree. <laughs> in my old age, ah, they're doing it again. The young, young <laughs> ratings cast are on me for age. Um, I jumped edge actually so young as well. How old are you? Twenty one. Crazy. James is thirty six with three kids. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, Fourteen years of growth. This. Yeah, uh, for those listening, James was stroking his beard. It's not really a beard. <laughs> um, I the thing is right. The Van Dyke one, I think, is more of a red card than this one, um, because he he goes with an intention to aggressively slide. I think, like, I don't know how to intention. Fully... You, I, I don't think you can consider intention because how do you know what's going on in a player's head? I understand your concept, but what's it's to not say a concept, brother? It's the reality. <laughs> I don't know because you don't know. You don't know what's gone on his head. Yeah. You can only see what's occurred on the pitch. What has occurred on the pitch is that Curtis Jones has got Bissouma in a very dangerous no, no, no. manner. I, I don't mean intention in the sense of was he trying to injure or foul Bissouma. I mean in the intention of Van Dyke was sliding for a tackle. So his intention was to slide to win a duel. Curtis Jones actually isn't trying to win the tackle in this situation. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I, I, I would get it if Curtis Jones has gone in to win the tackle and his ball slipped over the top of the... Say, his foot slipped over the top of the ball and he's gone into his shin. I'm saying he wasn't even trying to win the tackle. Yeah, it was careless. It's a careless challenge. That's the point, though. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter whether he... Like, when when Arsenal played Liverpool in the Carabao Cup and it was nil-nil, what was it, two seasons ago, maybe? Xhaka went to clear the ball that came over the top Jota's come running in. Jaka's kicked him in the chest. Now, Jaka has not aimed to kick Jota in the chest at all, but it's an incidental challenge, which is dangerous and is therefore a red card. And you love Jaka. We both, we both love Jaka, so... <laughs> I, I didn't even think that was a red card. So. True, fair enough. At the time, I was probably saying it wasn't as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, in conclusion then that, that kind of speaks to the fact that the referee gave that red card. Some people think it's not. Some people think it is. And the Jota one, um, again, as I said, we're not going to sit here and go, the refs were bad. I just want your perspective on it. Um, Jubdez, you can go first again, because um, I feel like you come into this with very little bias. Yeah. James doesn't like Jota by the sounds of things. Think, so with the Jota one, <laughs> first, first yellow card was not a yellow card. He barely touched him, if even at all. Uh, but then, once you've been given the first yellow card, you've got to switch on and be smart. And that second challenge was so stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, first one wasn't a yellow, but once he's got that, he's got to sharpen up. So he deserved the red card in the end. Yeah, that's basically that's basically my stance on it, is the first yellow card was ridiculous. The problem is, as well, refs put themselves in these situations where they, by giving him a yellow card for nothing, all of a sudden... Now he's put himself in a situation where he might end up sending Jota off. Mm-hmm. And what annoys me at the moment is these these really like inconspicuous yellow cards, but they're not being consistent with it. So 
um, there was an incident, I think, where Udogi, I don't know if it was the first or second yellow card, started second. waving. Yeah, he waved a yellow card at the ref. And now we've seen plenty of yellow cards be given for that this season. If you're going to give them for one, you you have to give them for all. You can't start giving them for some and not the other because, oh, I don't want to send him off for a second yellow. Mm-hmm. This is this is how it's been. And I think I think maybe someone this season has been sent off for waving a yellow card. I can remember a similar instance. I think the play, the player got sent off for two yes. um, two situations that are almost identical. The first one he shouted at the referee, and the second one he waved the yellow. It was, it was something it was. like that from a lower team. Um, but yeah, it's just the inconsistency that's annoying me the most in these kind of situations. And what really frustrated me in that situation is Udogi's absolutely conned the ref. Because yeah, if it was yeah. any of us three playing football, we don't have the nous to go, you know what, that's Jota on a yellow card. Yeah, he's not yeah. even touched me, yeah. but I know he's behind me and he slid in, so I'm going to go down. We'd just keep running. But yeah. footballers are so sharp like that. They'll go, hang on a minute, he's on a yellow card. Let me let me get him sent <laughs> off. We'll play against nine men because we're not good enough to yeah. beat Liverpool with 11. <laughs> the thing is, though, I wouldn't blame Madogi for that. In fact, I'd give him credit. It's not like... I mean, it's the dark arts, right? But I, yeah, it's it's smart. just like, smart, isn't if it? If I'm if I'm Ange Postecoglou, I'm giving him a high five when he comes to the tunnel. Like, you know, you got to. Hey, jump Tej, I know you like Diego Simeone. Then I know you like Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got a type uh, of manager. Slow down, a bit. Um, <laughs> the second situation doesn't happen if you if you're actually on point with the first mm-hmm. situation. I think the the problem in that game was, and this is where I maybe will mention the refereeing quality was that it wasn't just these two or three major incidents I'm actually fine with the ref making one bad decision like the Jones one in my eyes that's a bad decision I'm fine with that let's say it was even more extreme the offside was the only decision I'm not fine with it I think it's a bad error but it it, okay you've had one but like the ref was making errors on throwings on corners Mm -hmm. on yellows on foul like it it wasn't like he made one big error. It was like every five minutes he was making another mistake. Yeah. Another I mistake. will say, though, the, the the offside one was actually nothing to do with the on-field referee. There was nothing yeah. he could have done yeah. about that. He, he got lied to by VAR because the guy from <laughs> VAR was, I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't paying attention. Did you see the explanation for it? Did you yeah, see like right. what they said what happened? It's was mad. So, so was it Darren England who was on VAR? And yeah, he, just he come back thought, from UAE. He, he thought that it, it was a goal... And then, so that's why he said check complete. But on yeah. on field, they they thought, oh, that means it's not a goal, and that's why they didn't draw the lines. Or and when Nubaid says about common sense, this is a massive thing that I think referees lack. Mm. If they turned around two minutes later and said, you know what, we've allowed Tottenham to take the free kick, we fucked up, that was a goal, and they just bring it all the way back and say that was a goal. Look, here are the lines to prove it. We've messed up. We'll we'll play those two minutes at the end of the half. Fine. But what they did was said, shit, they've taken the free kick. All right, check the laws of the game. All the laws suggest this. We can't do anything else. Why can't they make their own decision and go, you know what, actually, let's not be stupid because now they've made themselves look ridiculous. And there's, there was not enough accountability prior to this. I think the, all the media coverage of this is going to help there become more accountability and hopefully there will be some change. Yeah, well, that was my next question. What is what is your two solution to this problem? Well, I was going to say, have you seen, uh, I think today, just a couple of hours ago, Liverpool, obviously, so they put out that statement yesterday and then today they've asked 
PGMOL to release the audio from the VAR so that like we can all hear it. That's again comes in with the accountability and the solution because if surely that's the next step that we all get to hear the audio mm. because if that happens then you're you're more likely to excuse the mistakes because you can understand how they've ma- messed up and you can you know empathize with them right whereas currently it's like well, well yeah currently, <laughs> in it's theory. Like, currently it's like we're left in the dark they've brushed over this decision in 20 seconds and no one knows what's going on do you know what i mean so i think if uh, it's howard webb is the head of it isn't it if he's got any sense he'd be thinking let's just release the audio and make it a, a regular thing the, my only worry with that right is that like a part of refereeing, and James might be able to give more evidence to this, but a part of refereeing, I don't think they're always talking about refereeing in the ears. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but like, I think there's like an element of privacy for them as well that they may be required. Uh, yeah, but it's only it's only referring to the actual decision being oh, yeah. the only the VAR decision being made. Mm. Also, maybe like in casual refereeing, I agree, people will be having I mean, banter. The, the bold white men will be bantering with each other. Um, but when it comes to like VAR at Stockley Park, I doubt that's the case because they'll well, probably think, be too caught up with actually starting out the game. Actually, there is like an audio clip out there um, where they were having a conversation with VAR and back and forth, and the ref and the VAR having bants like while the ball's out out of play, and yeah. when like a free kick is about what to get taken, they're just like bant. What game was it? Um, oh, I'll have to try and find it. Is it a um, game or a different league? I think it was a French league. Okay, yeah, yeah. Can you speak French? French. Hey, (laughs) I know. I think I know the clip you mean because there's a whole like three minute segment of the ref um, speaking to the players. It's really interesting actually because people don't realize. I and I think, and I don't think refs realize this. If you heard more of referees speaking to the players, you'd find them more um, relatable. Because you'd think, oh, hang on a minute, there's just a, just a guy who's doing his job, who's speaking to the players and stuff. Oh, he's an actual guy who makes mistakes, rather than seeing referees as just some ego freak in the middle of the pitch who yeah. doesn't speak to the players and is just yeah. using his whistle and his cards to speak to them. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that is one solution. But there's a there's a big, big overhaul that's needed from top to bottom, to be fair. We said we weren't going to talk about this, but yeah. The, not, not necessarily just because it's shit, but... Even if you compare it to the way officiating was done at the World Cup, that went so much smoother than mm. how it goes in the Premier League, where there seems to be a major issue every week. And did you see the um, Matt Turner tackle on Wisser yesterday? Yeah, that that's crazy to me. I don't know how that wasn't pulled up. Like, where's the justification? I don't understand. It's it's. I think we've spoken about this briefly, but it's really difficult to make it consistent because it's down to human interpretation. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's where, like, I do sympathise with them at times because one one referee sees something slightly different to another referee. That's completely fine. Um, the problem is, like, when they release this audio clip, how did another man in the room not go? You got to tell them the goal's gone in. That's or, what like, I'm saying. Like, mm. surely someone, like, you know, uh, as you just described it, they went uh, check complete yeah. for the life of me. Do they? If they always said check complete, there'd be an error all the time. So there are also there are two referees. There are two people in Stockley Park. There's a, there's a VAR and an assistant VAR. So what was the assistant doing when he's watching TikToks, bro? <laughs> he's watching TikToks, having a good time, eating his uh, snacks. I just I can't for the life of me think with all this protocol in place that the only two words they have to say is check complete. Yeah. 
Like I just mm. I, in my head, I just think you you're definitely gonna say offside or onside. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. it would make no sense to only say check complete because then the refs just blindsided. And that's it's weird. It's weird know. though because we the, they have released the um, transcript before the audio file, and they there's been an ongoing conversation. So I am fascinated. Apparently, someone on Twitter today said it might come out at some point, this audio. Yeah, and yeah. I am fascinated to hear what's happened because... Yeah. Oh, I'd love for it to come out now whilst we're recording. The thing is, it is both hilarious and shocking because if it if it was affecting me, I would be absolutely fuming. Hey, but because it's not, like, I can semi-see the funny side of it. Imagine being a Liverpool fan. That would, to me, like I'd feel like I just lost the Champions League final. My head would have gone. <laughs> the, um, like They got shafted so badly. Like... I couldn't believe it, honestly. And you know, uh, as well, once they like obviously mess up, they release the apology. It sent yeah, it just makes it is worse. Is the apology enough? Because I saw Gary Neville either last night or today. He was like, "Oh, the apology shouldn't be undervalued. You've got to respect it." And I'm like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Who's looking at an apology and going, oh, do you know what, mate? Fair enough.' Like, hey, Gary's a generational troll these days. He's just winding <laughs> people up. He's getting that Twitter blue money. <laughs> I think though. I was also like just thinking in my head, like, is sorry enough? Because I, like, what else can they? <laughs> this, this just got like, so <laughs> deep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this this is for those two AM listeners that really need a deep conversation with someone, Marvin Dream style. Um, I, I in my head, I'm going. I saw Gary Gary Neville's tweet, and honestly, I actually think he's being serious. Like, I no, think I that think is he what is he thinks. Um. But then, what can you do? Because I also don't want to see a guy sacked for making no, a mistake. No, you know I don't. I think the best solution would be like suspend him for like three or four games just so he can, you know, like think about it and stuff. Because also when he comes back in for his next game, he's going to be so switched on and making sure that he doesn't do this again. So I guess in that sense, you are going to get some accountability because you can imagine it, right? If you're in his position, you're going to be focusing to the max. He's just going to the Maldives for a week, though, isn't he? He's getting a game off, going to the Maldives and comes back after a nice break with a little tan. Like, that's the problem, though. I I think, I don't know, in all, I don't agree that someone should be sacked, but in all other walks of life, if you made a mistake that big, if you're a surgeon and you cut someone's major artery, you're gone. You're not... So are they, so are they bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, refs? No, the kid after you. Come. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but but referees can keep making these major mistakes and face no punishment for it. So I think there's got to be at least some threat to their job mm. to keep a certain standard of refereeing. And when it comes to interpretive decisions like handballs and stuff, I can forgive them. But this wasn't this wasn't a matter of yeah. your opinion versus mine. This He's just fine. made an error. Yeah, He's an air, airline traffic controller and two planes had just crashed. This one's on you, buddy. You know, <laughs> deep. Uh, you know, the, the thing I was thinking about when you said, I wonder what Darren England was doing. He just came back from Mauritius. I thought the Denzel Washington film, is it called Flight? Flight. Where he basically, yeah, yeah. like he's too drunk to drive the plane. I'm just picturing Darren England in there just <laughs> boozed up going, it's offside, but we'll give it up. <laughs> I'm playing Darren if you're listening. Um, I I think is I also do fear that like for him anyway, he will never be able to do a game at Anfield because mm-hmm. Liverpool yeah, fans have to remember this forever. Um, 
and they're not the type of fans to ever let go of things. So Darren England can never work at Liverpool again, and he probably can never work at Tottenham it's again. It's not even. It's of... not even just Darren England. It's any referee now who comes to Anfield. They're going to be so under the pump when, <laughs> when there's a contentious decision, especially if it's in a big game. You know that the fans are going to get on to the referees, and that plays in the referee's mind because he's going to. There's you know subconscious bias there, so. No, but it works. It works both ways, Tedge, because you'll have referees, one, being conscious that you don't want to go against Liverpool because they're going to get on your back. But also, two, you're thinking, right, these Liverpool fans are pricks. I don't want to I don't want to give them any decisions. If there's a 50 50, I'm going right, fuck them. Give it to Spurs. So you're you're a brave referee, bro. Not many, not many refs are going. No, I'm not. I'll be I say this now. When I'm in the cauldron, eh, that's definitely not happening. But no, these refs, in the some in of a them. Private, private <laughs> cauldron. <laughs> when when the 15 year old Jake with three million in his bank is walking over to you, going, Professor Foul, isn't it? I actually, actually speaking of, on Saturday, one player came up to me like so done the morning morning refereeing games and then did some in the afternoon and a, and a player, these were like 12, 13 year olds and he comes up to me and he goes, oh ref, I'm really sorry. And I go, for what? And he goes, I argued, I argued with you earlier, ref, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's just like, hey, hey, it's fine. I completely forgot about it. It's fine. I was like, that's what oh, I mean. So, and I had to give him manners at the private schools. I had to give him um, <laughs> ratings of like respect at the end of the game. So that's why it's beautiful. They're ch- giving me all sorts. Of, oh, referee, great decision. <laughs> it's, what, what a life, eh? What a life. Hey, listen, James is getting tips at the end. He's getting, why? Why he's do you think five months in advance? Why do you think I'm not trying to go up the ladder? Because I'm comfy. Yeah. I'm comfy here. Yeah, man. Um, also, I just looked. By the way, Liverpool's next home game is against Everton. They're all... So that's gonna oh, be tasty. Nice. Um. And then, then Forest, like two proper emotional games back to back. So yeah, in fact, Liverpool's next three home games uh, are Everton, Forest, and I think Man City. Unless I'm wrong, no, Man City's away. Um, so the narrative's dead. But the, definitely Everton, Forest, <laughs> Everton, Forest will be very interesting. Mm. Uh, referees, yeah, they've got a big problem going to Anfield now because I think there's also I do wonder how much Klopp taps into this because. Um, Klopp with backs against the wall type vibes. He loves that. Yeah. He loves it. So Liverpool as a club, or I think as the city and people, the world's out to get us. You know, like there's, they've always had that sort of feeling because they do think they're, I don't know what actually, I'm not from Liverpool, so I don't want to speak for, on their behalf, but um, I, I liken it to like, you know how people in Barcelona think Barcelona should be its own state. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think Liverpool, oh, yeah. people from Liverpool, Liverpool's, Liverpool, Liverpool is the centre of the world to people from Liverpool, and I can say that because my girlfriend's from Liverpool. So, well, there you go. So, <laughs> when something goes against them, they really feel it. They really also feel it. on the topic of Klopp, we've got to shout him out because after the game, he could have he could have flipped a lid there. To be fair, Bro, but I was good. I was gutted. Twenty twenty three Klopp is the most zen we've ever seen him because <laughs> he's he's found enlightenment. That is I was that is incredible. Sports on just to see his post match interview, and do you know what? He was quite tame actually. I think he said one good quote where he was like, uh, "The reporter asked him something, and he was like, oh, it's funny for you, but it's just expensive for me.'" Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, though, I think like he he's probably I don't know how calculated he is. I actually think he's not as calculated as people think he is. Um, I actually feel like he's gone into that ground. It's game week eight. 
And I don't think he knew about the Diaz offside thing when his interviews happened. And he, he found out about it in the press conference. And by then, you know, like the emotions died down a little bit. More often than not, when he flips, it's like the game finishes, Sky get him 10 minutes later and he's like, I'm going to kill someone. Whereas the press yeah. conference happened 40 minutes after the game. Yeah. By that time, you've spoken to all your players. One of your coaches has gone, by the way, did you see the Diaz thing? You've already flipped at him for mentioning it to you. By the time he gets to the press conference, he's like... I'm back to 2023 Klopp. But still, at the same time, you say he didn't know about the Diaz thing. He still knew that two of his players were sent off quite harshly. The yeah. Klopp of old, there's no way he'd let them get away off that lightly. He is cooking. Calm, calm Klopp is the way, man. Uh, <laughs> he, he might be saving this, though, for like game week 14, big game against City or something. And it'll just before the game go, refs don't like us, do they? Liverpool, I need something from you. And the whole city just erupts. Um, that's Jurgen. I don't know why I turned Spanish for Jurgen Klopp, but you know, <laughs> the uh, accents are never under control. Um, anyway, uh, any final thoughts on this Liverpool uh, Spurs game or anything that springs to mind that you really want to discuss? James, last week you said that Arsenal have, uh, Arsenal's floor is Spurs' ceiling. That's ridiculous. Yep. That's biased. That's biased. We're not, we're, we're not talking <laughs> through this all again. We could be here for another half an hour. Good job, Ted. No, no, no. I, I, obviously, Arsenal are better than Spurs. And, like, I hear it. You're way ahead of them currently. But how much they've improved in, you know, what, two months? Like, I think they've got a long way to improve yet. Like, I said, I said, I said... Um, uh, Spurs have got every reason to celebrate and I said right now Spurs at their very best were they, as they good at the very best in the game against as people. Arsenal at our very worst no but like you played not that great last week but it's not like we played they were playing... horrible we yeah. played horribly but it's not like they were playing at their very best okay they played they played 8.5 out of 10 we played 3 or 4 out of 10 oh, yeah. I, exagger- I exaggerate a little bit yeah. but I'll be very interested point- to see the, the points difference between you and Spurs at the end of the season because I think it could be quite close you know I think you'll finish ahead of them but I think it could be quite close I, I respectfully don't agree <laughs> I think uh, we will be challenging for the title and I think Spurs will begin to drop off and be challenging for top 4 um don't be fooled by them playing against nine men, a shambolic Arsenal. They do have an easy run now, so they can definitely kick on. But um, we'll, <laughs> he was accusing me of bias. He was accusing me of bias. We're, we're in we're in the comfy stage of the season. If they keep it on later on, later on, then we can start talking. But for right now, leave the Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool talk to the big boys. This it's interesting you say the comfy stage because this is the stage you guys did. Like your best start ever last season, and then when it got yeah, hard, and then what happened, guys, and then what happened? Then it got hard. Yeah. It got hard. I've learned, <laughs> and I've learned. <laughs> By the way, just um, just before we move on, um, Juptage, what about Chelsea? Um, how are Chelsea doing at the moment? I've got nothing to say about. <laughs> I'm literally like, oh, I don't know. We'll see tonight. We're playing Fulham away, so I don't know. Oh, I'd we, absolutely love it if you lost. Do you know what? We're not playing awful football. We're just. We're not really clicking at the top end of the pitch, so that's you know that's my favorite part of it is you're you're not playing horrible horrible stuff, you're just not playing well enough. So like yeah. you're playing okay. It's not like it, this is shambolic. It's you're just like pathetic. <laughs> it's yeah. just really really like, average you know stuff. The, do you know what the and you're thing just... is? And it's been coming out in reports in like the last two three weeks. The whole plan for this season was based around Inkunku. And yeah, which is embarrassing. It's Why? stupid. No, it's stupid. Because anyone who watched us in preseason, we were cooking, and Nkunku was unreal. 
And as soon as he got injured, you could tell, uh, um, what's his name? Poch didn't know what to do. And then Fabrizio, I think Fabrizio said it himself a couple of weeks ago. He was like, Nkunku was plan A and there is no plan B. That's why you're seeing Enzo getting played in the 10 and he's not effective. You get seen Jackson having to start every game when I like him. I like Jackson, but he shouldn't be starting every game at this stage. Yeah, but Juptage, um, Enzo's the best midfielder in the world. Can no, no, he not he play a little unreal. bit more advanced? He is unreal, but he shouldn't be playing as a 10. That's not where we're mm. going to get the best. No, the, very, the very best footballers will excel in any position they're put. What I'm baffled about is... Will, you, will Odegaard um, succeed as a centre-back? <laughs> what, what, a centre-back and an attacking midfielder is not quite the same. As I think I think Odegaard will do a pretty good job as a deep-line playmaker, I'd say that. But James, surely take the bias away. From watching Enzo, you can see he's a proper player, like. Oh, yeah, but what what's his proper player? You've got a two hundred and thirty mid million pivot, and you're not. Able, they should be able to win you games on their own. The Caicedo Caicedo is not even worth close to what we paid for. <laughs> we got the clip. We got the clip. <laughs> no, Caicedo's like he's a sixty million pound player. We somehow paid almost double that. But uh, Enzo for a hundred mil, I can you can justify that with the market today. I just think the expectations for Enzo have dropped so far in that yeah. he's Declan Rice has already won more games in an Arsenal shirt than he has in a Chelsea shirt. I mean, that's ridiculous. But the thing is then, that's not an Enzo problem. It's a Chelsea problem. But he, he if you are a £110 million player, you, yeah, you should but be able to elevate... Compare, you can't compare two completely different situations. Yeah. Arsenal competing for a title, Chelsea barely competing for top four. So then you can't compare like... Yeah, but Rice has won more games at Arsenal. Than okay, Enzo. I'll say this. If Chelsea signed Rice instead of Enzo at the time, they would be doing better now than they are. No, impossible to say. Yeah. Well, impossible. okay, yeah, it's, it's a hypothetical scenario, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but then... But <laughs> there's hypothetical scenarios. Then there's like... There's no way to... T- I, I actually... I know, I don't think it would happen because Chelsea are a mess. So yeah. But does buying a six make them better or more likely yeah, what, to win games? What no. we're essentially debating yes. now is, is like, should you be spending that money where on the pitch? So like we've obviously spent it on a CDM slash CM. Should we have spent it on a striker? If we signed Victor Ozzyman or, you know, Rafael Liao, they'd be more likely to single-handedly work some magic for us. Do you know what I mean? Whereas someone yep. like Enzo or Declan Rice, they're never going to carry a team by themselves from sitting in centre mid. It's, you know. did, you, did you see who won the Conference League last season? Yeah, that was Jared Bowen, brother. Jared oh, Bowen yeah, FC. Yeah, but again, he's <laughs> um, a forward player, isn't he? No, I would, I'm saying Declan Rice won it for them, lad. <laughs> <laughs> the Conference League, who are you playing? Like, young boys and stuff. Liverpool, listen. So, if either of you can tell me which country this team's from, I'll say Conference League is serious. Uh, Liverpool, in the Europa League, are playing Union... Saint Gilles. Oh, Belgium is Brighton's feeder club. Union Saint Galois. It's USG. Hey, yo, they're F first in the yeah. Belgian. Pro- yeah, they're a serious club. Have they changed names? Who was it? What's his name? Um, the bright, the guy who signed for Brighton last season. Um, striker. What's his name? Buenanotto. Um, no striker. He's um. It's going to kill me. Um, hold on. Pause. Um, this just have 30 seconds of James going, I think he's, I, I think he's German. <laughs> oh, Undav. Yes, Undav. He he um, was on loan there for a season and scored like 24 goals. 
I'm, I, I could promise you these lot have changed names. Or like, I've never heard of this club. And I, I lived in Belgium. <laughs> no, they, they weren't good before, but they're owned by the Brighton group. Oh, uh, they're owned by Tony Bloom in 2018. That's when they became serious. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, man. I'm reading, I'm backing your statement. <laughs> they're decent, bro. Liverpool got a task. Listen, Europa League series. Conference league, I didn't even get to that point. Um, yeah, anyway, but also um, on the topic of Liverpool in the Europa League, seeing Salah in the Europa League is hilarious. He's on the pitch for like 20 minutes, just scores a goal. He's just making it look so easy. Yeah. Get him out of here, man. Get him out of there. Guys, he, he's the biggest piss taker in the world in, in the Europa League. Like, Lask were actually thinking they're on something. He bought Salah on and they were like, that two guys tried to close him down in the first instance of him having the ball. With his shoulder, he took them both out the game. I was like, I don't mean he dropped the shoulder. The ball was played to his shoulder. And he shouldered it past both of them. Both of them dropped to the floor. I was like, this guy's like, he's like Jesus on the pitch. Um, uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's talk about this Haaland thing that I mentioned. Um, oh, I've just seen. Random anecdote. Conference League team. Zerinsky Mostar are playing Aston Villa this week. Mostar's population. Do you know where Mostar is? No. no. It's in Bosnia. Their population is like 12,000 people. Jeez. So, Conference League, man. There are their teams in here. I, don't, I can't even pronounce their names. And I know a lot about football. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Erling Haaland. This Man City fan tweeted this. Disregarding penalties, Erling Haaland hasn't scored a single Premier League goal that changed the outcome of the game in 2023. His last was in the 1-1 draw to Everton on New Year's Eve. He's the smallest game stat panner I've ever witnessed giving me Aguero back. Um, the person's handle, by the way, is MCFC underscore Leo, but the Leo's with an I. He's gone through the games where he's scored in, I believe. Um, he scored second in the Forest game for 2-0. Third in the West Ham game for 3-1. Third and fourth against Fulham, 4-1, 5-1. First against Sheffield United. He also missed a penalty that game. Um, first and second against Burnley in a 3-0 game. Second against Everton, 3-0. Second against West Ham, also a 3-0. Uh, first, which is a penalty against Fulham, 2-1. Fourth against Arsenal in a 4-1. Second against Leicester in a... Uh, sorry, second and third in a 3-1 2-1. So basically, the statement here is that Erling Haaland stat pads and only scores when a game is done. That's, Jump Ted, you're shaking your head. ridiculous. Are you sure that this account isn't one of them that's got like an MCFC handle and then you go on their tweets and it's just Slayton City because... He's got a Haaland... By the way, he's got a Haaland AVI, if I'm not mistaken, as well. No, you know what I mean? You, you see these Twitter it. accounts that pretend to be fans and just slate their own team because how can you be a City fan and slate Haaland? He's the a huge reason why they won the treble. And in terms of the, um, he's not decided games or scored important goals, that's because City don't need a player like, well, for the vast majority of their games, they don't need a player who's going to turn the game on its head because they're constantly in control. So, do you know what I mean? It's I, I understand the start and it sounds pretty shocking, but if City go 1-0 up, 2-0 up in every game and Haaland's getting the second or the third, you know, I think you'll find 99% of City fans aren't complaining with that. Um, yeah, he is a City fan. I can confirm. I've just That's looked through crazy. all his tweets. Surely he was getting, surely he was getting <laughs> cooked in the comments. He was. He was. People were basically saying like, uh, called second goal in a Champions League qualifier for Aguero. Uh, Harlan's a player that's heavily reliant on service. Careful, bro. If the top blues find this, they'll call you a plastic. Wait, hold. People are actually backing him. That's crazy. 
People are genuinely backing him. Um, is, I tell you what, I'm licking my lips at little Harlan slander because um, I need I need to give all my Arsenal boys prop for PFA Player of the Year at the end of the season. Um, it's a weird one, honestly, because yes, you're right, Harlan needs service, and I'd say his downturn in form has been well recently a little bit due to lack of service, especially since Rodri's been out, but also this season his finishing's been quite poor. Um, mm. But overall, there's no reason why the service should change when he's um, when Liverpool are sorry, not Liverpool when Man City are further ahead. I guess the only justification you could say is typically they play against a low block at the start of games, so the there's no space for him in behind. There's no space for him in the box because he's getting triple marked. But then once Man City go ahead, the other team starts coming out of the blocks, and that's when he gets more space. Um, I don't know. I see it as a little bit of a non-issue. Until now, City had won the last what twenty games, so mm-hmm. so why why is it an issue? Yeah. Um, and the last game, I didn't watch the whole of the game, but I checked, and Haaland only had one shot, which is really unusual for him. So I assume the supply line was just completely cut off, and um, players like Phil Fordens uh, just weren't good enough on the day. Yeah. Also, you know, you mentioned like Holland's downturn in form, which obviously he sort of has dropped off a bit. He's still got eight prem goals in the first seven games, and he's the current top scorer as well. So that's what I mean. Like, so I guess what, people, like, it's a. I'm not comparing him to Messi or Ronaldo, but like, it's a bit like when people would compare them against their own alien statistics. So, because Holland started the season last year so crazy, people are probably looking now and going, "Oh." you know, what's happened. Whereas he's still got eight goals in seven games. Like, so I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't... But he's he's on course for as many... How many did he score in the end last season? 36, was it? Mm. Yeah, so he's on course, theoretically, for more than that. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> so There is a, a stat here, typically an Arsenal fan posted it. Um, decisive goals. Players with the most goals scored to put their teams in the league equaliser. Last season, Pukayo Saka had nine. Haaland had 10. Someone said 10 of his 36 goals in his league season were actually decisive. Sorry, was Saka second out of everyone? Uh, he was Ooh. third, actually. Kane was first with 11. Okay. Haaland second with 10. Saka third. Uh, Rodri was third. Eight. Wow. Uh, he's very clutch, though. He's very, he's very clutch. goals and assists, I assume. Just goals. That's, a, Just goals. that's a big start for Rodri, that. Huh? How many, yeah. how many goals did he score last year? I don't know. This is this is a, a graphic made data from Transfermarkt made by AFC Visuals. I do worry though. Did Rodri even score eight goals? Is it, is it in, was it in all competitions or just Prem? Uh, it says in the Premier There's League no twenty two twenty three. No well, Rodri didn't no. score eight goals. Are you sure it doesn't so say contributions? Uh, it says the most goal players with the most goal scored to put their teams in the lead or to be an equaliser in Premier League twenty two twenty three. Rodri got Rodri got. Uh, two Premier League goals last season. There's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's some bullshit. Hey, this, this guy's just cooked up a storm to get Saka prop. <laughs> hey, what? It's, it's actually made by an Arsenal fan called uh, AFC Visuals. I'll send you the graphic, James, and uh, in case I've accidentally. Uh, yeah, maybe it's all. Somehow, maybe it's all competitions. But even the then, um, the Saka thing is true though. Saka has a massive record for. Um, putting us ahead in those situations, which mm. is obviously such a valuable trait to have when you're the best right winger in the Premier League. 
Yeah, he's not the best right winger in the Premier League, but you know, <laughs> um, we won't even have that. There's no need to have that conversation. It's public knowledge that Mo Salah is an alien. Yeah, but we're very in the same way that the we British cannot. Said, we're compete. very used to. We cannot compete. Yeah. The the Salah thing, and I feel like I do. I talk about Salah a lot, James, on the pod. Um, no, nah, not too much. Not too much. He's a good lad. He deserves he deserves a limelight, especially when we're talking about Haaland today. Yeah, I think Salah. Um, there's certain things he did in the Spurs game, and like I just in my head, I just couldn't believe that we were watching it and almost so used to it. You know the pass for um, who Diaz. was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That pass for Diaz was unbelievable. So he's got the goal scoring bag, the playmaking bag. He's got it he's, all done. He? I said it. Uh, what? He's going to touch. Sorry, on. I said like he's he's a better goal scorer than most players on the planet, and he's a better creator than most players on the planet. Like he's just ridiculous. Like I, what I find strange is how people don't care. You yeah. know, like he had that pass for Diaz yesterday, and Gary never went. Just a great ball by Salah. I was like, bro, I was like, yeah. Name me another left foot player in the world that's playing that pass. If that was They're Madison, not... hey, Gary, that was. Hey, <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna say it. <laughs> Yeah, it's true, it's true. It's really strange. I have my theories as to why Mo Salah doesn't get the respect he deserves, but they don't want to hear those theories. Um, but there's also, I think there's other factors to his game. The goal that was ruled out, he bullies uh, the centre-back, I think might have been Romero, I can't remember, to actually win the duel before playing the pass. And it's like, he's 5'10". And then in the, towards the end, when we, when we went down 10, he was playing, playing as like a big number nine. Liverpool were lumping it up to him for him to hold. Um and yeah he's 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 just the guy man he's just the guy there's little details in his game which I think people just go that's just normal but like the way he takes a ball down from a 60 yard crossfield pass and does it over and over and over and over again and we've become so desensitized to how like wonderful he is yeah um I sort of hope that when he finally calls it a day in the Premier League people go oh you know what like we've actually been watching like someone who is an all-timer an all-timer he's uh, I think I, I think I'd stick him top three Premier League all time. I was gonna say the same. I'd I'd put him um, I think I've got Henri, De Bruyne, and Salah top three. That sounds awfully recency bias. I don't know if I'd but, have De Bruyne in there. I'd have Salah and Henri undoubtedly number three. I'd have to think about. It's, it's hard to deny De Bruyne place either. To be fair, hey, that would be a whole new pod, a whole new yeah. pod to talk about that week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, top three, top three. Salah's definitely top three. Henry's oh, obviously Henry as well. Those two are certs. Yeah, but people people don't actually think that. Genuinely, people don't think Salah's top three. So, like, you, you know what I, I've been thinking about recently? Like, every game that goes by, the whole. Do you remember when Salah versus uh, Hazard was like a big debate? Every game that goes by now just buries that more and more. Like, <laughs> listen, as a Chelsea fan, I love. Hazard, and we can debate prime Salah versus prime Hazard every day. But if you're talking about career and consistency, like not many in in the in the world and in Premier League history have ever done it like Salah. Even something that we've not even mentioned is how regularly he stays fit. He's available mm. for 35 out of the 38 Premier League games every single season, and he plays like you know Europa League, and he he doesn't feel like above it. Like you were saying, they'll come on for twenty minutes and they'll, you know, still give it his all. Like, yeah, just different level, really. Yeah, he played 30, 38 games last season, thirty-seven starts. That is ridiculous. Um, 
Just crazy. I, I think also, I was looking at his stats the other day, I'm pretty sure it's 35 and above in every season since he's come to Liverpool. No, that's, which not, is, true. that's not true, unfortunately. He played 30 games the season before. Um, Did he? Yeah, no. Was that <laughs> starts or finish? Oh, no, okay. okay. Okay, okay. Man's waffling. Man's no, waffling. Uh, 30, since starts, he came... 30 starts. Um, he played 35 games in total, so I'll allow that. He did one season, 1920, with um, 34 games in total. But if you just look at the numbers, not even considering any context, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's stupid. We're in this period of football where people are so like obsessed with the opposite of numbers. Yeah. So like people are now yeah. going like, he's a goal, goals and assist merchant. That's a fucking good That's thing. Also, thing also the same guys who will say like, oh, Hazard was a beautiful dribbler. You had to watch him to get him aren't giving Salah praise for that pass he did. Mm. And that, and he'll go, they'll go, oh, Hazard had no help. Watch that pass that Salah did. Watch the yeah. dribble that Salah does. What? Why isn't this getting talked about the same way that yeah. Hazard does? Maybe because ha- Hazard did it with more of a swagger and with his yeah. arse sticking out more. Like, <laughs> Salah needs his flowers, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And you're talking about uh, the no help thing as well. Watch Liverpool last season. You know, they were shit for most of the season and Salah was still putting up the numbers. Yeah, he's been he's carrying for a long time. He's a joke. Um, go on, James. Sorry. I was going to say, speaking of carrying, um, Alison Becker. Wow, wow. Do you? Because hey, uh, Ted, you're one year younger than me. Nubade's about twenty-five. Um, so we've younger, got, yeah? we've, got yeah. we've got we've got <laughs> we've got coverage of all of the Premier League. Uh, who is the greatest Premier League keeper of all time? Are we all in agreement here? Oof. Oh, I, I, I'm going oh, to got a check fan in the room. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to find it difficult <laughs> to offset my bias for this one. I'm going to have to set fair check. Um, uh, I love the fact you said offset my bias. That was a finance sheet. I said offset my bias. <laughs> uh, I think I think I'd say fair check, but I'm I'm acknowledging that there's heavy bias in that statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alison, he's easily top three, probably top two. I'd say. Yeah. What do you guys think? I I think peak check in that season. Like I remember like you actually thought you could never score a goal. Mm. But, yeah, but there is a contributing factor and James is going to probably say that contributing factor is the back four probably. Yeah, because so people will bring up checks uh, save percentage, but the problem is because that defense was so resolute, teams would be shooting from outside the box. So check was facing a lot easier chances than when Allison is facing 1v1s. Yeah, I think there's one big thing about Alisson that I, I think for this particular thing, he is the best keeper that I've ever seen in the Premier League ever, is the the types of saves he yeah. makes. He makes like very ridiculous saves every, week. every game. Every week. Like yeah. this, the Spurs game, he made two, minimum two. The the one which he caught from Madison. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, that was like a FIFA save, you know? Like yeah. When they catch it like that, yeah. Yeah, I was like, most keepers parry that yeah, out, yeah. like back into play. He just caught it and just stopped it in the air. Yeah. It was going top corner. Um, so there's there's certain things that he can do that I don't think I've ever seen any other keeper do. Um, and not just the saving, but he's one of the best ball playing keepers we've ever seen in the yeah. league. He claims absolutely everything in the air. He sweeps higher than most keepers have to. So especially if we're considering in the context of what you prefer nowadays. Allison is just on a different level, but oh, and no oh. disrespect to Petacek as a shot stopper, uh, he pissed me off at Arsenal. But before then, I'm sure he's a good keeper. <laughs> yeah. How old is Allison as well? Because he's surely still got a good few years left to give. Uh, yeah. I think he's like 27. No, he's not 27. No, he's not 27. No, he's, not 27. Oh, he's young. He's, he's 31. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> 
the reason I said 27 is because when I did a thing with him, like when he first went to Liverpool, I did like a shoot with him. He was 25, um, I think. No. Yeah, he, he would have been because I was like, yeah. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, that feels like it was two years ago, but that was ages ago like, when Look, I did that. This like, is the thing, right? If he's 31, uh, he's probably got five or six years left to give. Like, I think by the time he retires, he'll have cemented himself as one of the greatest keepers in the history of the game, up there with like Buffon, yeah, Cassias, Neuer, easily. In six years, I got time. Neuer top. I got Neuer top, and I got Allison very close behind. Well, you'd have Allison second greatest ever. From from goalkeepers, I've had the pleasure of watching. So <laughs> let me not talk about Dino's off level Yashin. Yeah, but I from think... goalkeepers since the two thousands, I'd say Allison's the second best I've ever seen. I think I'd have Buffon number one, Neuer number two. And then, then I don't know, but yeah, you can, good debate. I'll be real. I've got the age on my side. Buffon's overrated, but they don't want to thank hear you, that. Thank you, thank uh, you, thank you. I've seen a lot of Buffon, and I think <laughs> the, the slick back hair, the Juve days, the Serie A love in those times. Um, you can't speak about Italians negatively. They will jump on you. <laughs> if you speak about Perlo, Gattuso, any of these players negatively, yeah. uh, you'll get it. So we, we stay hushed for now. Well, Dave, isn't, this, isn't the pod quite big in Italy as well? You don't want to rattle the Italian. <laughs> The the good news is the listen time is about fifty minutes. We're at fifty five now, so they're probably switched off. Um, yeah, no, nah, I, I won't make any more comments about Gigi because they do love him over there as well. Like absolutely adore him. Um, I was going to make a comment about Alison. Oh, I was going to say the most important thing about Alison Becker. And if James knows me well, just just your debut, but James knows. He's going to say he's a handsome lad. He's a good looking fella. <laughs> He's, he's, he's also he, he, he just changes look every every few days. Hey, great minds! I was just gonna say that as well. He always switches <laughs> it up. Like he'll cut the beard short, he'll go clean shaven, he'll grow the long hair, and he pulls it all off. People listen to the pod. I just want to tell you what I just visually saw. Now let me try to describe this to you. We've just been recording for about fifty plus minutes. We've talked about Curtis Jones. We've talked about fouls. We've talked about passionate things. When they both said, he changes look. Both their eyes popped out of their head. Like, my God, we love him. Um, Alison Becker, good-looking fella, great goalkeeper. Um, Jupiter, thank you for hopping on. I'm sure we'll get you on uh, soon enough. James, as always, pleasure. Uh, for those of you listening, make sure you follow the guys on socials. Uh, make sure you follow the pod and interact with all the content that will go out. There's plenty of episodes coming your way. There's so much content. We've got banked content as well. Um, so as always, thank you for listening. I will be announcing something as well in a couple of weeks' time, which is James knows the news. How tasty is it on a scale of one to Alison Becker? It's it's Alison Becker at a, at a tasty. Pause, 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 pause. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.